Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. The New York metro area, and when it does go down, it's problematic because we have such a concentration of people. So it's just a big mess. Yeah, and with the active storm season they're predicting this year, they're saying that there's going to be nine hurricanes. Four of them are probably going to make landfall. So if, uh, if they crawl no. right up the east coast like last time. <laughs> oh, no! Jake! What are you doing? I'm already stressed out for summer. No! I'm just helping you prep. I'm just helping you get ready. <laughs> All right. That means we're going to have some great content. And uh, let me go uh. grab the popcorn. I'll be right back. <laughs> Eric just waits for things to happen to Caroline. That's the process. <laughs> Don't worry, she'll get a flood or something will happen. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know. But we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. This is where we talk home improvement, interior design, healthy homes, and everything about your house every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline. Hey, hello, everyone. Man, this is a great subject today because even though I'm out in Portland, Oregon, it's something we deal with all the time, and I know you do as well with power outages, right? Oh, gosh. I'm in New Jersey, New York metro area, and it seems that we can't get through a year without two or three major power outages anymore. And so everybody's got to have a generator. I mean, otherwise you're pretty much sunk. No kidding. And it's such a big deal, especially with uh, hurricane season coming up just around the corner. This is pretty amazing. Welcome to Around the House, Jake Thomas. Hey you guys. are the from Generac. You guys are awesome. And uh, you guys have done a lot and keeping things going for people out there. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Eric and Caroline. Well, let's talk about this because I tell you what, it's been very interesting out there with so many things changing. You know, we're going into, you know, there's this big push with electric appliances, electric cars. And the problem out there is, is when we have that big push with electricity, when that goes away, it leaves us in a really bad spot. Absolutely. The, the more electrical appliances that are going on the grid every day is just taxing it more and more. So it's not surprising that you're seeing more and more outages, especially where you're at, Caroline. Um, mm. So it's it's a problem that we definitely see and we're, we're definitely trying to address. No kidding. And out here where I'm at, where I'm, I'm on the West Coast, of course. So I'm dealing with those power outages that the uh, power company is cutting down for us when it's fire season or, or wind season. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that with PG&E. Um, high winds come through and thousands upon thousands of people are shut down just to prevent the fires. So um, it, in the last year or two, California has seen a, a very large uptick in uh, demand for generators. 
No kidding. Especially it seems when it's just the hottest time of the year when that stuff's kicking in, at least out here on the West Coast. It's right when you need the air conditioner the most. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, I can tell you what the problems that we run into in my area and Caroline can attest to this because, you know, as a healthy home expert, we have a lot of just regular gas powered generators out here. So when I lose power, I walk outside and it smells like somebody's 40 year old lawnmowers running outside because we've got all these generators that are running on old fuel. <laughs> it mm. smells nasty. And of course that's getting inside everybody's houses. And then Caroline has to deep deal with trying to get that cleaned up inside the house. Yeah, we see, I mean, portables are a good temporary solution when uh, people lose power. It's it's typically a knee-jerk reaction and they go out and buy a portable and then, you know, hopefully they connect it right. They have it set far enough away from the home so you don't have the CO issue to deal with, uh, which can get people sick or, or worse. Um, but if you really want to be prepared long-term, the automatic standby generator is, is the way to go. You won't get the exhaust that you have for a gasoline portable. You don't have the storage issues and it works all by itself. So you don't have to drag this thing out of the garage, out into the rain, plug some cords into it. You know, all the things that you love to do in the middle of an outage. And it always seems to happen in the middle of the night at my house. Cause I had, I had garage doors <laughs> open. I drag it out. I have to drag it out there, plug it in. I have the correct transfer switch that's done correctly but it's never easy. I think too, um, you know, and just Jake, if you can kind of make people a little bit informed about this topic, it would be great. I'm seeing more and more of my clients and customers that ask me, and I see a lot more with millennials. I think Eric's generation and beyond Eric's what I call a, he's always prepared, right? So if there's a disaster, you want to call Eric and have his number right in your keypad because he's going to know what to do. But for a majority of the people out there, my clients are younger millennials. They're not familiar with a generator. They don't know how to hook it up. Maybe they've moved out from the city to a more rural area. And now they're exposed to all of the elements where the power goes out and it can go out for you know 10 to 14 days and the storms have increased. So just an education standpoint for the homeowner or, or let's say a new millennial is just starting out, what do they need to know about a generator and what are the keys that they need to hit on if they're looking into getting one? Well, I mean, a portable, like I said, is, is a good temporary solution. Um, they need to, if they don't want to run a million cords back into their house, because the, the portable has to be placed at least five feet away from any opening into the home. Um, mm -hmm. The cords that they're going to use have to be outdoor rated um, because typically it's going to be happening in the elements. Um, hopefully they know that they have to keep their fuel um, stabilized. So that's one thing that a lot of people don't do. <laughs> don't is, know. <laughs> you know, I, I bought a generator and it's been sitting in the garage for the last two years and I'm going to pull it out and man, it doesn't work because it didn't stabilize the fuel and the fuel got stale, right? So making sure that you've got fresh gasoline in there. We, we typically tell people that they should run a portable generator, I would say 30 minutes every month or two, just to make sure that it's still in tip top condition, get that fuel out of the carburetor, get some fresh stuff in there, uh, but then also stabilize the fuel. But if you have somebody that is not mechanically inclined or, you know, they want the easy solution or maybe they're not um, able physically to pull a portable generator out of the garage, that's where mm -hmm. the automatic standby solution comes in and works perfectly. It's permanently installed. It's wired to your home's electrical panel. Most of the time it's backing up everything in the house and you're sitting on the couch, the power goes out. All you have to do is count to 10 and your power's back on. You didn't have to do a thing. 
And then when the power comes back on, the generator senses it and it'll run for an additional minute to cool itself down and shut it off. So your, uh, your, our customers didn't even have to leave the couch in the middle of an outage. Nice. Jake, that is, like that. that is the only way to fly because we had, uh, geez, I think it was about 18 months ago I had, well, it's a little more, a little less than that, but we had a big ice storm, you know, not this winter, but the winter before, and we were down power for five days. And I went through almost 30 gallons of unleaded fuel. Well, I'm not storing 30 gallons of unleaded fuel around the house because that stuff, if you buy it the, from the gas pump and don't treat it, you know, it's, you know, 90 days later, it's pretty toast. A lot, you know, a lot of those things inside that gas is broken down and you got some skunky gas. And so there was a lot of me making trips to go find a place that had power to get gas. And uh, it was a lot of work and no question that that automatic turn on running off of something like natural gas is better on all fronts. And if we learned anything during Hurricane Sandy, especially in the Northeast, if you want to get gas, sometimes you just can't. So having some type of alternative fuel generator is really important, whether you have a tri-fuel, which Eric knows I like to talk about, or if you have actually your Generac or whichever brand you choose, right, hooked up to your own natural gas source. Because getting gas is not always um, even an option during a big storm or, you know, a catastrophe. Yeah, you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, to your point, Eric, you have to find a gas station that has power to be able to pump gas. <laughs> then you right. have to deal with the uh, the lines well, to get the gas, right? And if they start yep. rationing, then you might be out of luck. But with the standby unit, since it runs off of either natural gas or liquid propane, which is you know typically other than some of the homes in the Northeast that run on fuel oil or something like mm -hmm. that, um, mm -hmm. it's it's what powers your house. So you have a continuous source of fuel for your generator so you don't have to worry about running up. It makes so much more sense to do this correctly at this point. And especially when we're seeing, you know, it was just a few years ago, you would see, you know, storms and emergencies are one thing, but now that we're starting to see across the country, these power companies that are going, Hey, you know, we've got a situation where we got high winds. It's, it's a fire danger out there. We don't want to get sued. So we're going to turn the power off to the grid you know, it, it, it happened this last year in Oregon here. And I'm like, oh, there we go. That California model is starting to, to stretch out into other states, which means that we are relying on electricity more with our push into that. And we're going to have more power outages probably and not less. Oh, completely agree. We, we see it on the rise all over the place. So there's, there's a number of different solutions. We've touched on the uh, portable aspect of it portable generator. We touched on the standby aspect of it as well, the home standby generator. But then there's also uh, the clean energy solution, which is in the west half of the country and also in Texas, Florida, actually really all over, <laughs> uh, is really picking up steam where you can take solar and pair it with storage. So you actually can run your house off of sunshine is what we'd like to call it. So you're basically storing mm -hmm. the solar energy and you can use that in an outage as well and then you don't even have, you know, the generator maintenance or emissions or anything like that to take care of. So there's, Fantastic. there's any number of, of options out there for anybody that's looking for a backup power solution. No kidding. And that's that's a good way to go, especially where, you know, solar over the last number of years has become so much more prevalent. And if you can 
you know, trap that lightning in a bottle. That's going to keep you going for a little bit longer. How does that, how long does that actually help out with the house as far as backup generation? And I know that's a, a wide ranging, but what are some averages on that? It's typically a, our, our system will give you 18 kilowatt hours of power. Okay. Now, how long that lasts, the, the, the homeowner is going to really depend on their consumption, right? Are they, sure. are they just going to keep a couple lights on and, you know, use a microwave or are they going to, you know, turn on the hot tub and throw some margaritas at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. I, I, I'll always have my margaritas going, but yeah, the hot tub <laughs> might be a little bit jumping the shark. I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a lot of power. And being that if it's a sunny day or, or you've got, you know, unobstructed panels with no snow or, or anything like that, you're still generating power during the day. So that's continuing to store that as the days go on. If you've got, you know, multiple day power outages, correct? Correct. And depending on, you know, the municipality, there's even some um, electrical companies that allow you to sell energy back to the grid, but that has to be approved by the various uh, electrical providers uh, when it's commissioned. But yeah, you're absolutely right. When, when the sun is shining, you're storing power and then it's there when you need it. So I got a question for you then. If you're in a peak rate, where some areas have different, you know, some areas have, oh, it's a peak rate, so you pay a different kilowatt hour than what a non-peak rate is. And I'm starting to see that coming up in some areas, or the concept of it is, in theory, then you could wait to sell that back, right? And store it in your in your system and then sell it back at the peak rate. Uh, I don't know. That would be dependent upon the electrical company, but exactly. we have... We have some seen some people that will, when it goes into a peak rate, manually transfer over to the backup solar power that's been stored to get them through that rate because then they're not paying anything back to the utility company. There we go. I like that. Anything we can do to save money because energy costs sure aren't getting any cheaper right now. So Jake, for a standard homeowner, let's say you have a house that's, let's just pick a house because I know it's going to range on you know the size of the home, but say you had a 2,500 square foot home what is it going to cost you to install a generator and, you know, including labor and then of course parts and all of that stuff. So let me ask you a couple of questions to clarify that because mm -hmm. you have, if it's an all electric home, you're going to need a much larger unit than if okay. it's a home that's mainly fired from uh, say like natural gas or LP for the appliances. Right. Okay. Uh, unfortunately I live in an all electric home, so I would have to take a pretty big generator. No um, but for, for 2,500 square feet, let's assume that they have, um, you know, natural gas, so a, a forced air furnace, um, mm -hmm. gas water heater, um, gas dryer, or even an electric dryer. They're looking at probably if they wanted to run absolutely everything when they wanted to, uh, including the stovetop and everything like that, um, they could more than likely get by with a 22 or 24 kW air-cooled unit or maybe even a little bit smaller if they went with a uh, load management. Now, 22 kW retails for right about 6,200 bucks, okay? So your installation, that's the thing that can vary a lot because sure. depending on where you have to place it, so we're not gonna be blowing exhaust into openings or windows or anything like mm -hmm. that. Um, and then the wire run, the pipe run, all that other fun stuff. We're seeing typically between a range between three to five thousand dollars for install. So mm -hmm. I would say around the ten to twelve thousand dollar mark um, mm -hmm. would probably be on the higher end. 
So $10,000 would be probably right in the ballpark. Nice. Well, yeah, you're right, Jake, because, I mean, depending on the location, you can spend a grand in wire and conduit these days pretty quickly with the with the prices for wire. Yeah, commodities are not helping anybody. <laughs> <laughs> no question. I just had a buddy try to get hooking up his hot tub, and he's like, it's three times what it was from the same uh-huh. guy last year. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yep. Welcome to that. (laughs) And that's if he can get the materials. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Or the hot tub, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or the hot tub. Well, he's waited for 18 months for the hot tub. Now he's starting to get to that point. So that's the other issue. But, you know, that's the interesting part. And what I like, though, too, about is, is your generators like that are so much quieter and so much cleaner than something that uh, traditionally you're going to be rolling around and plugging into the front of your house or back of your house. Absolutely. I mean, your, your typical portable is going to be in the 80 decibel range, sometimes even 90, depending on how well somebody took care of it. Um, your standby generator, it's got two different kinds of, of, of modes, if you will. So standard operation, say like that 22 kW, you're looking at about 65 decibels um, for common use. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, that's significantly quieter than a portable. Yeah. The other cool thing about the Generac product is we also have what we call a low speed exercise. So in order to make sure that these things are maintained, uh, every you can choose if it's a week, every other week or monthly, these units start up and run for five minutes by themselves to keep all the seals lubricated, to keep everything in tip top shape, make sure it's going to be ready in the time of emergency. And that's done at a super low speed. So during exercise, when you when you don't want to hear it because you still have power, it's right around like 55 decibels. And it's wow. something so you just get used to, Jake. Like I guess here in the in the Northeast, we all have them now, right? Because it's just become part of our culture. And so when they kick on, everybody's like, yeah, it's the generator's checking itself. You know, we just, it's just part <laughs> of our culture now. It's funny. What's cool with that though, is that's just the, you know, to, to give people an example, if you don't know what decibel rates are, that's kind of about the average dishwasher sound that you get out of a dishwasher. So it's not that loud when it's in exercise mode then. Absolutely. And quite honestly, that's when you don't want to hear it, right? Yeah, mm. absolutely. When you, when you, when you lose power, it's the sweetest sound in the world. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I can attest to that. I'm raising my yep. hand. Yep. Absolutely. Ah, oh, man. And now we're getting into to, to situations now with, of course, we've got we're leaning so much more on, on electricity because you're starting to see us go from, you know, gas powered water heaters to, you know, heat pump, electric heat pump, water heaters. You've got people out there that are really trying to get into their first electric car purchase. And you're seeing all these things changing over the last couple of years where, you know, that, that lean on electricity is huge. And you guys are going to be able to provide solutions for that. Because not only when you lose power, you're going to be losing power around the house, but you're also going to lose that ability possibly to charge that car up to go hit the workplace the next day. Exactly. So, I mean, it's 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 really kind of interesting because with the, the big push to go green with electric cars, I mean, there used to be a bell curve where, you know, towards the middle of the day going down into dinner, that was going to be the peak usage time. 
But now that bell curve just got extended because as soon as people get home, they're plugging in their cars and they're charging them up. So it's 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 prolonging the stress that's going on to the grid that didn't used to be there before. So it's uh it's 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 just going to contribute to more and more of the outages, the more and more of these EV systems get put into residences. So um, we've seen people buy the generators to make sure that they can charge their cars. We've actually I've seen uh, a mobile charging station where they took one of the standbys and this is not a recommended application and put it <laughs> on the back of a trailer and drove, they would actually drive around to charge cars that ran out of charge, like on the freeway. It's just wild. That's incredible. But with the introduction of the pandemic and then all of the things that have happened over the last couple of years, a lot of companies are seeing just innovation and, and different ideas coming up. What have you guys noticed with generators? Is there an innovation in a generator? Are we moving towards a different type of generator? Um, anything that you're seeing? Well, for us, we saw a very big trend of the home becomes the sanctuary, right? So that's where people live, play, learn, work. And if they don't have power, they can't do anything like that. They can't have their kids go to school. They can't, you know, do what we're doing right now, teleconferencing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we saw a giant uptick in the demand for standby generators. Now, you know, we're always innovating on the forefront of, of the backup power generation industry. We've got uh, plenty of new stuff coming out. We've got, we introduced, um, some new load management that actually allows you to use a smaller generator with uh, some load management capabilities as opposed to a bigger generator to save on cost to consumers. So we're trying to make it more affordable every day. So the other part of it is, you know, with with the, the push towards green and also, again, the home is a sanctuary, sanctuary um, that's also helped really drive our entrance into the clean energy side of the business um, so that that way people can have the storage as well. Because, you know, there might be some areas that you can't have a generator. Like in New Jersey, New York, you might have lot lines that are too close. Um, mm -hmm. That would be, you know, not good for emissions or something like that. But now instead, Correct. if they did, if they didn't have a, a, a solution before, now they can go the clean route and still have backup power. So we're attacking all aspects of this. Man, I, I tell you what, I got a question here because I've been kind of fighting this and we see this out here on the West Coast and especially here in the Pacific Northwest where cities and, and counties and states are pushing to eliminate to get natural gas out of these new development neighborhoods. And now that they're trying to push those into, you know, an electric only power situation, they're really trying to also tie their hands on putting in like a natural gas generator because they don't want to put natural gas into that neighborhood. How do you guys battle that when they're, they're basically trying to, unfortunately, in my opinion, tie a hand behind the homeowners backs on creating, you know, a, a backup power situation. That's, that's cleaner and cost-effective. Sure. Um, I'll use Florida as an example. Florida is uh, very, very prevalent to having all electric homes. And so what we see in Florida is people will typically buy a 250 to 500 gallon LP tank, bury it, and then that's the fuel source for the generator to run off. Of. So that's that's an option that would be up in that area unless they're going to outline mm -hmm. or outlaw LP as well. Um, but if they do, that's where the clean energy solution comes in, and then you back up your house on the sunshine. Nice. 
that works out pretty good. And that's that's a good thought. And uh, the, the only the only disadvantage is is that traditionally costs a little bit more than what natural gas is, but at least you get power so you can power the home and your electric vehicles and everything else. But I like to also, if you actually put that in with uh, backing that up to sunshine, that also is a good addition to that mix. Yep. We, uh, we actually rolled out a generator dedicated to be used with the, the battery storage system as well. So we actually created a, a very low speed quiet unit. Um, again, runs on LP or natural gas, but it's uh, actually a DC charger. So it just charges up the battery. So in, in theory, if you wanted to go off grid, you could, but your, your storage is, is a bucket, right? Think of it that way. It's mm-hmm. a bucket of power, but the generator is a pump. And if that bucket starts to get low, you can pump it right back up and then shut the generator down. So you're only using it for a little amount of time, but then you're fully covered a hundred percent. So there's, there's a lot of cool different applications that we can do. Okay. That's, that's trick because now you can sit there and fill the bucket up at whatever is the, you know, whatever is the most efficient way to use that generator at whatever speed and whatever's the best way to fill that battery back up again. And then you can shut it down and, and burn through that bucket, as you called it, which makes sense. And uh, now you're not running it 24-7 to back up. Exactly. Exactly. So you're saving fuel. You're saving sound emissions. It's just, uh, it's, it's just a really cool system. Man, that would be great for people in, in um, you know, living off the grid. They've got the cabin someplace, you know, uh, where where it's hard to get power up there. That's brilliant. Yep. That's yeah, like cool. It. That, that only came out probably about six months ago. So we're we're constantly innovating and we're always bringing new things and new solutions to the market. Great. What a you know? I want to jump back to real quick before Caroline's questionnaire. I wanted to jump on because we we kind of went over the top of it, but some safety tips again. You know, I see with portable generators because, you know, it's the most common generator you see out there for backup because people like to run down to their home improvement store and and grab whatever's left available when the power goes out. But I see so many people doing that, and then they've got these really light-duty cords coming in the house. They're all going into the garage. And I I, I'm, I knew if, if I walked in the house, I'm going to be horrified what to look at. <laughs> I think we should probably put some safety tips in here and really get some people dialed in so they know what to do if they've got that generator sitting out in the garage or the shed. Sure. Um, So we touched on a couple of them already, right? As far as Mm -hmm. um, never run the generator indoors. Uh, Never run it any closer. Five feet is the minimum. More than that is, is even better from any opening. It could be uh, a garage. It could be a window. It could be a door. Um, if they have a portable that's large enough, make sure you don't run it next to an air conditioner because the air conditioner can blow exhaust. It can take that exhaust and blow it up into soffits, mm-hmm. uh, into the home. So really the, the placement on, on where you're running this is probably the biggest key. Now you're absolutely right on the extension cords. A lot of people, you know, buy the ones that you use to, you know, plug in your Christmas lights or something like that, to, to run some of the bigger appliances. And that's, it's not good. They're not rated no. for the <laughs> amperage that they're going to try to pull through that. Um, and most of them are not outdoor rated. So we want to make sure that they're weatherproof, eliminate the risk of shock or anything like that. Um, now, the generators, like 
you alluded to, they take fuel. When a generator is running, never try to fill it. Okay. You always want to mm -hmm. shut the generator down, let it cool down and then fill it up. Because if people splash the gas on a red hot muffler, then they're looking at a fire situation, which is very, very dangerous. Um, I mean, typically you want to run the generator in an area that's not going to be in a giant puddle, right? Electricity and standing <laughs> in a puddle doesn't necessarily mix that well. Um, and then, you know, for people that just buy it as a reaction, they're probably not going to have a manual transfer switch, but ultimately that's going to be the safest solution because it's going to allow you to basically hardwire the circuits that you want to run into a single twist lock plug that's going to be on your generator. And then it's, it's, it's a lot less to worry about, no tripping over cords and whatnot. So one other thing that I will touch on is um, a lot of the generators out there are going towards adopting a CO sense safety shutdown. So that mm -hmm. was something that uh, Generac actually championed in the market and, and uh, everybody else is following suit. So what it does is it actually senses whether or not it's going to have a, whether it's going to get to a, a negative level of, of CO that would be dangerous to a person and it automatically shuts the generator down and it won't start until it senses that it's cleared out enough for people to breathe safely. So that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. That's, it, that's mm -hmm. becoming a standard in, in the marketplace. So I would say for any of your listeners, um, as long as you're not buying in a rush, like you said, taking anything that's left on the shelf, uh, <laughs> consider, consider a unit that has CO sense to protect uh, your family. Well, it's amazing. Cause I, I don't, I, it blows my mind every year. It'll be a hurricane or a storm or something. And I'll see where a family died because they're running the generator in their basement or they got the, they drug the barbecue inside the house or something that to so many people seems ridiculous, but obviously there's not enough education out there for people to still do it and get hurt or, or even worse by doing it. It just, it floors me every time it happens. And it's, it seems like it's every year you see those news stories. Yep. That's one of the major reasons why, uh, why we did it. We're part of the Portable Generator Manufacturers Association, PGMA, and uh, we pushed this change through that group. So all of the other manufacturers that are part of that group are are doing this as well. So it's it's an industry-wide push. And I think, Absolutely. Jake, you touched, now, you, you touched on something that is kind of imperative too, is that you may be thinking that it's not in close proximity to your windows and your air conditioning, but you have to remember and keep in mind your neighbors as well. And people don't always do that. They just go out and they hook the generator up, not thinking about, you know, the older neighbor that's down the street that's breathing in the fumes from their unit. And it may be causing, you know, breathing issues or whatever. And we see that quite a bit, believe it or not. So it's being conscious of what is around you in general, not just, you know, your own property. Very well stated. I've also seen where it can be a problem if you go out on that, uh, maybe that back covered patio and you've got roof vents that go up in soffit vents that air up into that. And you can fill that space up above your home, up in that attic space up with carbon monoxide. And that can leak back down into the house as well. So you got to be really careful putting it under cover. Uh, even though you're beyond five feet, it's one of those things that can be troublesome if you're not careful because it can still make it inside the house pretty simply by just getting up into that attic space. Exactly. I mean, there's there's so many different ways that that CO can, you know, impact a home if if somebody is not very very careful as far as the placement goes. But again, that's that's a reason why we 
always recommend that an automatic standby is going to be a better solution. It's permanently installed. The installer knows exactly mm -hmm. how to install it so you don't have the emissions issues uh, getting into the house. Uh, we also recommend a, a, a CO detector for any generator, if it's going to be a portable or if it's going to be a standby within the house so that that way, just in case, they still have that other layer of protection. Smart. And then maintenance on these, what else do you have? Just have some oil changes and stuff as uh, as time goes by for maintenance? Uh, for portable generators, well, for generators in general, what you typically have yeah. is you've got your oil and your filter, right? That has to get yep. changed. And depending on, uh, for a standby unit, it's every two years or 200 hours, whichever comes first. Uh, for yep. a portable, it's typically on an annual basis, we recommend. Um, mm -hmm. But then you've got spark plugs. Uh, those are 400 hours for standby. Uh, portables, it's check the gap and replace as needed. And then air filters on on both of them. So that's that's one of the things that a lot of people forget or you know don't research is they they set it and forget it, and they don't know that they should probably have a maintenance contract to maintain it. Amen. So, that is the that, that is the, the the smartest thing to do, especially with everything that is uh, high tech today and everything else. Is if you're going to spend the money, just get the maintenance contract so they can come in and and have that serviced. And that way they can set it and forget it and let the professional come take care of it. And that way, you know, the maintenance is done correctly. Jake, on your website, do you have a spot where people can go to hire a professional installer for your product? Yes. Uh, on generac.com, there is a thing that we call the dealer locator and people can, well, first of all, people can go onto the website. We have a, a, a generator sizer. So if people are curious about how big of a generator they think they're going to be looking at, they can enter in the information of what they want to run, the, the footage of their house, the zip code of where they live, and it'll spit them out um, two or three different options of what they mm -hmm. can go with so that they have that. From there, they can go to our dealer locator, and that also works off of zip code. So people can put in their zip code and select a radius as far as how far away they want to pull people from. And it will pull up all of the dealers that are in their area and also lift out or list out their level of status with Generac because we have different levels of status as far as the dealers go for uh, technician certification, installers, and all that other fun stuff. So uh, it's a great tool. Wonderful. Boy, that's the easy button right there because then you can get the right people out there and people that are actually trained on the product versus somebody standing out there reading the instruction booklet which is never a good thing when you've got somebody that's uh, putting in something that's this detailed. Oh, come on, Eric. They never read the instruction booklet. You know that. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's so true. <laughs> Hello point, Jake. You got a point right there. That's <laughs> seemed like that's what we we're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> What's this oil for? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And it's, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky at my house. Cause I, when we did my service upgrade, I had them put in the, uh, the uh, standby switch because I'm still budgeting in a, uh, a a better solution for me because I still don't like having to grab the, you know, grab everything and take the cord and the generator outside and get it going. Uh, I'll be doing it one of these days, doing a serious home backup power system after we do our addition. But to me, if you're working from home, if you're going to have that electric car, it's kind of a necessity in my book. Yeah. Sounds like another great, 
episode of a podcast for you coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Caroline too. You've been running into that same thing up there in the, in New Jersey. You've been really battling the power as well. Cause I can't tell you how many times you and I are on the phone and it's like, Oh, power goes out. I got to call you later. Yeah. It's, we have issues with flooding. We have issues with, you know, obviously hurricanes and nor'easters and all of that stuff. So it, it goes out quite frequently here. I'm sure Jake knows it's, it's the New York metro area. And when it does go down, it's problematic because we have such a concentration of people. So it's just a big mess. Yeah. And with the active storm season, they're predicting this year, they're saying that there's going to be nine hurricanes. Four of them are probably going to make landfall. So if, uh, if they crawl no. right up the East coast, like last time, <laughs> oh, no. Jake, what are you doing? I'm already stressed out for summer. No, I'm just no. helping you prep. I'm just helping you get ready. <laughs> All right. That means we're going to have some great content and uh, let me go uh, grab the popcorn. I'll be right back. <laughs> Eric just waits for things to happen to Caroline. That's the process. <laughs> Don't worry. She'll get a flood or something will happen. Something will happen with the show. That'll be great. <laughs> no, it's it's amazing, you know, and you're right. It's And as we populate more along the coast, it just keeps, you know, creating more and more damage. And it seems the more and more load that we put on the systems, as far as the energy systems out there, the more troubled they get. Yeah, we're, we're seeing a number of challenges um, in the, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, in, in some of the New York upstate areas, they still have some of their natural gas infrastructure being delivered via wooden pipes as opposed to <laughs> metal ones. Um, wow. but, but that's, that's Turn of one the of century. The, yeah, exactly. So that, one of the things that we did for the Northeast specifically and, and some other areas is um, in some areas, your, your municipalities can only guarantee three and a half inches of water column as far as the amount of fuel that you can get to run your generator. And up until probably about eight years ago, uh, all the generators required um, five to eight inches of water column for natural gas. So we were, you know, you're kind of problematic. So Generac, when we did our our redesigns a couple of years ago, and it's been a standard for all of our product moving forward is just like any furnace, um, our units will run on three and a half inches of water column so you don't have to worry about fuel pressure issues in low pressure areas. So that's another hmm. good thing for Caroline for your area. Wow. Jake, no is there is there a designated time? So when people run a generator and power goes out for, you know, three, four, five days, is there anything like, is there a capacity? Like how long can a generator actually backup generator run for you or what's the recommended or, you know, so, cause we are seeing power go out for much longer durations of time now. Sure. Um, so, I mean, we've had generators running for weeks at a time, um, to be quite frank. But Mm. what we recommend is every 24 hours or so, you take the load off the generator, turn the generator off, and just check the oil level. Okay? Okay. I mean, any small engine is going to use a little, it's going to consume a little bit of oil. And if it does get low, I mean, it it has an automatic low oil shutoff, so you're never going to damage it Okay. if you wait. But you always want to have a quarter to of oil on hand just to top it off as needed so that that way you're not having to run out and try to find oil in the middle mm-hmm. of an outage as well. That is such an important no tip. Kidding. Thank you. Now, see, I learned see? something. There you go. Mm-hmm. You learned something. Yeah, that's that's a smart tip. And, and, and anyway, you know, you're going to be turning that, if it's a portable generator, you're going to be turning it off to refuel it anyway. So it's just a good time to do that 
at the, you know, 24 hour mark, just check it. Right. Absolutely. Otherwise there's, there really is no restriction as far as how long you, you can run these things. Right. Mm -hmm. So the, the automatic standby, it's obviously not meant for prime power applications, meaning you just run your house off of it all the time. That sure. wouldn't be economic based on the fuel it would consume. Right. Right. <laughs> but um, they can run for any number of days, weeks. Good to know. Until they get the grid back up again. That's great. Yep. So, Jake, uh, any other questions we haven't asked you today on the show? I don't know. You guys have been pretty thrilled as far as hitting me on a lot of the stuff. I mean, the only other thing that, that I would touch on is when people are, if they, if they are in the market for automatic standby power, typically, you know, a lot of the people say, I want to run everything all the time. And sometimes that will push them from an air cooled unit, which is an air cooled engine, right. Up into mm -hmm. a liquid cooled engine, which is basically a, a car engine. Right. Yep. And that, in effect, doubles or triples the price. Sure. And then they, they they don't think that they can afford it. But if they use an air-cooled unit with some of our load management systems, they could take, say, a demand from like a 27 kW, which costs $10,000, mm -hmm. down to a 22 kW, that's $6,000. And the installation is also about half the cost it would have been for a liquid-cooled unit. So there are solutions for everybody out there um, that's why you really want to speak to the uh, installers, the dealers, because they can offer any of your listeners options. That's great. Man, that is great. Yeah, it's it's something that's it's funny because it used to be you just kind of go on a website and take a peek and go, okay, that's it. But now there's multiple ways to do this. Yeah. And, you know, one other really cool thing that I didn't mention is about two years ago, we made all of our generators wi-fi onboard standard mm. so they ah. can actually once when it's at when it's installed at your home it jumps on your network and then there's a mobile app that you get for free that will actually tell you the status of your generator whether it's ready if it's going to exercise or anything like that so even if you're away from home or if it's on a you know a second home or a vacation home you can pull up this app and see exactly what the generator is doing or if there's an issue and then you know, you can proactively reach out to get it taken care of. So that's a pretty cool feature that we implemented two years ago. You love that, Eric. Eric's eyes. I, I, know can, it. I see it in his eyes. I know him so well now. He's like, oh, home tech. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I do a lot of speaking on home tech out there and being able to communicate that without somebody having to go out and look at it, you know, open a cover up and look at a digital screen to have them tell what's going on and if things are good or they're not. Uh, I love that level of communication from a generator. It's, it's smart. You know, you guys will eat this up then if you like that. Uh, this year, we actually just rolled out compatibility with Alexa. So you can actually sit in your living room and say, that? Alexa, what's my generator doing? That's so cool. <laughs> I like that. That is awesome. Yeah. So there you go. Hey, Jake, what, because you see a lot of these applications, what are some of the best things that people should have on their generator as far as, you know, circuits that they want to run? I mean, if it was your home and it was an ideal situation, do you have things that you recommend or, you know, better to be powered than other things that, you know, maybe you don't need during a crisis situation? Great question. It, it really depends on the amount of money that you want to spend. Because, you know, I would say 15 years ago, 
a lot of people put limited circuit switches in where they selected maybe up to 16 circuits that they'd back up. But as customers got more savvy, they realized for a couple hundred bucks more than that, I can back up everything in my panel. I don't have to pick and choose. Mm -hmm. So the majority of our applications we see out there are whole house backup. But I would say I would look at it the reverse way as far as what I wouldn't put on there. Um, unfortunately, if I had a hot tub, I wouldn't put it on there. <laughs> yep. Really? It's not a priority, Jake. <laughs> uh, I would say I can do without a range in in an outage because yep. as long as I have a microwave, because an oven is a huge draw. And if you mm -hmm. have an electric dryer, that's also a pretty big draw. So hopefully you can, you know, put up a clothesline or something like that. If it's not okay. raining outside, that is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, true. Other than that, it's, I mean, people are, are putting in, putting all the circuits on there. What I like with, I have a heat pump water heater. And what I love about that thing, it works great when I'm on a generator because it only uses 550 watts while it's in heat pump only mode. So it's super efficient and not a lot of draw. I went from natural gas to that. And I tell you what, it's nice because I can be running the generator and it's, you know, not a huge pull. Yeah. I, here, I'll give you an example, real life example. So I put one of these on my parents' house. Um, they're getting up there in age. And mm -hmm. I actually took one of our, our power meters and I, I left it on their house for a month just because I wanted to see, you know, what their draw was. Mm -hmm. And when they're just at home, you know, watching TV, reading a book or whatever with a couple of lights on, the standard average draw is like 3KW. That's it. Wow. And then even if you go and turn the microwave on or something else, you know, it comes up a little bit, but you're really sizing for the spike. So it, it, a lot of like the resting voltage that you typically use in a house, it's actually lower than a lot of people think. Hmm. Yeah, very true. Especially today when you've got LED light bulbs that aren't, you know, used to walk around somebody's house and count the dozens of 75 watt light bulbs around. And now when you've got these LEDs and stuff, the lighting circuits are using so much less power than they were 10 years ago. Oh, exactly. And if you if you apply that to a commercial business where they have incandescence and they go to LED for those, I mean, they save massively on their energy bills. Really smart. Really smart. Jake Thomas, Generac, thanks for coming on today, brother. Thanks, hey, guys. Jake. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to next time. We're available whenever you are, guys. <laughs> All right. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to Around the House. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered Anywhere beyond the mean Life is a love song, let's be lovers Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, 
It realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com. 